Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep, healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family, or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to maryleegannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. Hi there, Mindful Leader. I'm really happy to be with you today for episode 20 of the Still Space podcast. How to play big when you feel small. Before I actually get into the program today, I'd like to read you a very thoughtful letter from one of my clients to her former self. When I work with people, we build our self-awareness by being able to step back and see our lives from a different perspective. In this case, 
from the future self so that we can help advise ourselves in today's world how to deal with some of the things from a more detached perspective, from not living in the chaos, the thought misalignment, from when we're able to step back and see things a little bit more clearly. Jennifer is a customer documentation engineer with a multinational telecommunications company in information technology and consumer electronics. So her letter to her former self reads, you are enough being the person you are. What counts is what's internal, not what's external. It doesn't matter if you have the gift of gab or if you are an extrovert. You don't need to compare yourself to others to determine if you are successful or deserving of being loved. After graduating with an engineering degree, you worked at your first job with enthusiasm, dedication, confidence, and an eagerness of to learn something new every day. You put in the time and effort to learn the nuances of the job and gained valuable experience that you were able to bring to future jobs. You thought that making the job high priority in your life was going to get you to a leadership position in management in the future. Seven jobs later, the enthusiasm, dedication, confidence, continuous learning, and time and effort to master the nuances are all still there and stronger than ever. But your definition of leadership has changed. With experience, you now have freedom, independence, and the satisfaction knowing you do your best every day on every project without sacrificing what's important to you. The internal stuff. Now you know when to say I am done for the day and how much work you can handle. I don't need to do everything to prove I am good enough. You are a leader without a title. One who leads by example. You listen more than you speak and speak when you have something necessary to say instead of talking just to talk. You are an introvert who gets the job done. Others respect you and recognize what you do. You do your job and meet your deadlines. In your current position, you are the lead writer for specific product features. You make sure that your part of the process runs smoothly and guide others to do their best. Moving forward, be curious. Learn each day. Take care of yourself physically and mentally. Embrace your artistic side and work on yourself. You are more than your job title or any title. Focus on what you can control, your thoughts, words, and actions. Take reality on reality's terms and be as you are. Good enough. Warmest regards, Jennifer. This is beautiful. This is a testament to her growth in self-acceptance. And that is exactly what we're talking about today in episode 20. How to play big when you feel small. That's all about self-acceptance. I've been coaching for a very long time and I have seen this theme over and over again. And if I could impart anything on anyone, and this is what I work heavily with 
my clients on. It is self-acceptance is your superpower. That's your ability to be kind to yourself, to know that no matter what the situation, you are okay with who you are. No judgment of self or others. You remember who values you. Your compassion for others grows. Compassion for self and others is the fulfilled human condition. And when we have doubt and cynicism and are self-sabotaging and are afraid and have too many expectations and blame and complain, we are not self-accepting. And then we end up in conflict, in sadness, in depression, in things that don't serve us because our expectations are out of control and not realistic. And then because we're afraid of being hurt, we play small. Because if we play small and fail, we only fail small. The problem there is we can't play big and win big and love big and be happy big and everything else big when we're small. And I want to help you learn today how to stretch your safety barometer. You know, when we were born into this world, having come from the safe, protective, and soothing environment of our mother's womb, we are thrust without choice into a cold, unfamiliar world where every moment holds a new experience. To survive, we learn very early to trust our parents, our primary caregivers. With our parents, we belong, right? We're safe. Our parents teach us how to stay away from harm. We mirror their responses and we begin to make sense of the world. What we don't learn in childhood is that our experiences are one facet of life. Our interpretation of those experiences is another. Our early ancestors understood the role of safety to survival. They knew that in order to withstand the elements and to feed themselves, men needed to hunt in a pack with others, with women tending to children and other things at home. Your existence hinged back then on the tribe that you belonged to, belonging being the operative word. Your distinct role contributed to the survival of the tribe, and if you were exiled from the tribe because you did not live by the tribe values, you were found to have been doing something that they didn't agree with, you were subject to carnivores, weather, the aggression of competing tribes, lack of safe shelter, starvation. And if you had to live alone, back then, likely you would die. Just as at birth, a sense of belonging led to safety. So we're programmed to fit in with others because historically that is where we find safety for survival. As humans, we are not calibrated to go it alone. And as we grow up and live with people we trust, sometimes we adopt philosophies from them that may not feel true to our core, leaving us with a sense of unrest. Think about some of the values that you learned in your house of origin that may not dovetail with exactly how you feel today about the things that you care about. You sort of feel out of alignment. Well, my parents felt this way, but I'm not sure I really feel the same way. 
Conversely, as we coexist or work with people we don't trust, we can interpret their wrath as an assault on us personally, leaving us feeling as if we don't belong. An unsafe and unsettling feeling for sure. So either way, throughout our lives, we have interpreted experiences through the filter of what I call our safety barometer. Because self-preservation is our innate instinct. We don't want to die. Am I safe or not? Those with a high safety threshold are risk takers. Those with a low safety ceiling are more risk averse. Whether or not you want to skydive is not what's important here. What is important is that you recognize how your safety barometer shows up in your career and relationships. When you feel threatened, defeated, dismissed, undervalued, personally attacked, or any number of negative emotions, and you can't self-regulate, false assumptions creep up, and if you don't know how to release them, you will likely do something you regret. Think of the last time you said something at a meeting that you later wish you hadn't, or when you didn't say enough because you were afraid of being judged. The result of this can lead to doubt, worry, self-criticism, lashing out, anger, immaturity, judgment, self-judgment, inaction, overcompensation. All of these are self-sabotage behaviors. And these thoughts that precede the behaviors of self-sabotage keep you trapped and affect your relationships and your peace. They rob you of executive presence. And the worst part of this is once you've been stereotyped for any of these, not executive material, hothead, not a leader, not strong, not smart enough, not able to execute too emotional, it is very difficult to undo the stereotype without a noticed behavior change in a plan. And I work with my clients who have been stereotyped on how to find a partner to help them be able to communicate this within the organization, etc. It's very difficult without a plan. The more you run from the fear of not succeeding, the less of your real self you feel you can expose. What would you lose if you exposed the sides of you that were less guarded, less perfect, more human, more vulnerable? What if you showed you could be more individual, more curious, more fun? Instead of giving half of your precious energy to fear of being exposed or a failure, wouldn't it be great to know deep down in your heart you'll be fine because you are fine just as you are? The tension here is that one system of your brain is completely focused on preservation and has evolved to avoid risk and stay vigilantly safe. The other side of your brain is dealing with expansion, innovation, and creativity. Self-acceptance is noticing your thoughts and fears, honoring them, and not allowing negativity to define you. Because the ego triggers fear, and that robs you of what is real, the present moment and your genius. So you have this internal tug of war going on. One side wants to keep you safe. The other side wants to be innovative and try new things. How do you balance that? How do you draw boundaries between what's too much risk and what is the right amount of risk? So let's talk a little bit about boundaries. It happens a lot 
at work and in life. You get drawn into a dispute where after a few minutes you find yourself defending a position you never took. You know, that's being gaslit where someone starts accusing you of something and all of a sudden you're off your game and you're out in left field trying to catch balls and you forgot what your home base is. Or people come to you to mediate a situation that does not warrant your involvement. You're asking yourself, well, how did I get involved in this? This doesn't even something that I should having to deal with. Or you find yourself doing things for someone out of duty, not honor. Or you're afraid of being alone, so you put up with behavior that doesn't feel right. I could write volumes on what motivates people to behave this way, but that's not important, not in this podcast. These are boundary issues, and when others don't have them, you must create them for yourself. And when you don't do that, people take advantage of you, leaving you feeling badly about yourself, and that's when you play small. A boundary is simply an imaginary line between what you will and will not allow. You can't change someone's behavior. They are on their own journey. If you sense someone is acting like a victim to get attention, or you notice they are triangulating others against you for personal reasons, there is nothing you can do about their behavior. The best thing you can do is to quickly create a position that you stand for and stick to it. One of the most important boundaries you can draw is around your time. It takes great self-acceptance to be able to say no. No is a full sentence. It's a complete sentence. No, I, I can't do that right now because I have this to do. You don't have to justify it. No is enough. If you are answering email, you are working on someone else's to-do list. If you volunteer for a project that is not directly tied to what you are measured against, ask yourself if that is a good use of your time. If people on your team are treating each other disrespectfully, how will you communicate that this is not acceptable here and out of alignment with company values? They've gone over a boundary. When drawing healthy boundaries, you need to establish your home base before you speak, just like in a baseball game. Your home base is your position no matter what curveball gets thrown your way. And really slick people will, as I had said earlier, try and get you off of your home base because they don't want to have you bat from that home base because you probably have a good argument. They're going to draw you over into their field where they're much better. You have to watch for this. Don't play anyone else's game but your own. You will not win if you are defending anything. You must be proactive and gain your own momentum. You must be the moving party. If you want to take the organization in a new direction, don't defend against how business is just fine now without the chains. Segue back to your home base. This direction will keep you relevant and competitive and an industry leader, you can argue. Hurl back questions, asking them what they will do when the industry shifts and your speed to market will take too long to catch up. This takes planning, and when conflict occurs in the moment, you must think quickly. Pause. Find the still space, take a deep breath, 
and ask yourself, what is my home base here? Why this? Why now? What am I not going to negotiate away from? And keep coming back to, oh, well, that's all well and good, but answer the question, blah, 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 your home base. Litigators are very good at this because they know how a witness will try and triangulate them out into left field and try and stay off point. And they're very good. Watch lawyer shows. They're very good at coming back to yes, but, and go right to the home base. Your home base might be just for yourself. I only answer emails twice a day at 11 and 4 p.m. Your home base might be you know, as much as that project interests me, I think it's better placed with insert somebody else's name because it is tied to his goals and not mine. Your home base might be, our company stresses the value of dignity and respect. How do you feel your behavior at yesterday's meeting aligns with that value? Know your home base and keep coming back to it or you will be covering balls all across the entire left field, center field, and right field. Establish trust. Your team will respect you for your boundaries because they will know where they stand. They know how you stand. Consistency is key here. They should know if they come to you complaining about another employee, you will first ask, have you spoken with him about this? Have you spoken with her about this? Have you spoken with them about this? What do you think that person's perspective is? If they do complain about not having enough time to do something, you will say, I trust your advice. What do you think we can stop doing to make time? If your daughter tells you that you are the only parent who won't let their child go on a ski weekend without adult supervision, she should expect that you will say, I'm comfortable with that. I'm the only one who is your parent. Always trust your gut. When you can't decide what your home base is, that is a signal that something is out of alignment. Trust your intuition. Your mind might be too analytical and your heart too emotional. Step back and allow for a broader view. Rely on your instinct. The decision may not even be yours to make. Who else should be involved? Ellie is a very successful professional living in Silicon Valley, who I'm very proud to say is my client. She is smart, well-educated, successful, and came to me to grow her self-worth, to show up differently at work and in her personal life. She was struggling in relationships with people who were close to her. I felt the pain of her suffering. I felt her despair at how some people treated her. It made me sad. We worked on healthy boundaries. We worked on self-awareness. We worked on defining her values and her vision of a life in alignment with those values. We worked on mindful daily practices that help her self-regulate fear. We worked on being with discomfort long enough to see that it wouldn't overtake her because it's only her imagination. And we worked on self-acceptance with all of her imperfections, which we all have. We worked more on boundaries and more and more on boundaries. We didn't work on her being better at anything or anyone. We didn't work on what she didn't deserve. We didn't work on why change would be better. 
we worked on her rediscovering her. And in that space, she made decisions that resonated with who she was at her core. She had lost herself along the way. She had lost sight of her core. I am never happy to see relationships end unless the breakup represents emotional freedom and self-respect. I'm very happy that today she has found a different home and been living there for three months. It was hard being alone at first. She anticipated that. She was prepared to self-regulate the doubt. and She had doubt, and it showed up in her other personal relationships and her work until she learned to sit with the doubt and allow it to be there. She didn't have to turn away from it and run away. It's okay to be with sad. It's okay to be with loss. It's okay to be with doubt, recognizing it, not turning away from it, but getting curious about it. It was hard for her, but she stuck with herself and realized that her identity was not tied to a relationship that she had made the decision was not serving her values. Today she smiles, she laughs, other people interact with her differently now at work and in her family and in her life. They respect her more because she's respecting herself more. She's enjoying developing her side interest of painting. She is reading and spending time with friends. She walks in a space of fulfillment, not fear. She dances with inspiration. She isn't minding what happens along the way. She has built a life by design. She has freedom. A question that I ask my clients often, and I ask Ellie as well, what is it that you truly want? Because we're really good at saying what we don't want, but it is harder to sit quietly and understand our core and understand what it is that we do want. And when you do that, you will be uncomfortable. And that discomfort is okay. That's where we're sitting in the still space and saying, I don't have the answer here. I don't know. I don't have clarity. But that's okay. I'm open. I'll ask questions of myself. I'll investigate. I'll discover, and along the way, the clearing will open and the answer will come to me. Because that's what happens when we have self-acceptance. We don't have to have all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. Let me work on that and get back to you. That's where you can be at a meeting and you don't have to be perfect. Because you have the presence to be there with yourself in that discomfort and be able to say to yourself, I'm okay, without overreacting, without lashing out, without getting all sweaty and having your heart race, to be able to metaphorically put your hand to your heart and say, I'm okay, I've got this. This is just me being observant of a little bit of anxiety creeping up because I might be a little bit afraid here, but I can sit with that fear. I've got this. I can ask myself what's going on with me and be very open and have the humility to say, I'm a little afraid. I feel a little cynical and resentful. And just say, how about a little bit of that for me? 
how about a little bit of goodness coming my way? And be open to it and accept it in and accept myself with all my imperfections. Because no matter what I'm doing and where I am, I'm still awesome. And I know what it's like to feel small. And I'm going to help somebody else feel big and get outside of their comfort zone and grow their presence and get behind them and have their back the same way I want them to have mine, the same way I have my own back. That's a shift in perspective from playing small to playing big to where you can show up at any meeting, any family conflict, any situation, listen, be present, say your mind, ask the right questions, know that you matter and that you don't have to be right because your aim is to get it right. My still space wish for you today is to develop and commit to a mindful daily practice where you remind yourself that you are awesome no matter what's going on. And whether that is a mindful walk or reading a passage out of a book that you get inspiration from or deep breathing, prayer, meditation, Develop a mindful practice that you do every day where you can stand in the space of, I don't have it all figured out. My goal is not to be right, but I'll get it right because I've got this. I want to let you know that if you are looking at making a career change or looking to build your presence, I have a free document for you on the top of my website that I give to my clients every year. It's a full career plan. And it's really good if you're not sure which industry or position is right for you. Just go to maryleegannon.com. It's right on the top of the homepage. It's free to you because I want your career journey to be mindful. I want you to be able to find the still space and find the satisfaction that you deserve. I'm glad you were with me today. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. 